0: Now, fight back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, we've
1: already talked to both opposition party leaders in Ontario, and they've been here to answer your questions as we head towards the new year and an election year. Well, today we hear from Premier Kathleen Wynne, who is already polishing some new promises in an effort to win your votes. She did not make the time to take your calls, but I did get about 15 minutes with her yesterday, and I hope I asked about the things that are on your mind. We have two strategists with a liberal bent joining us afterwards to give us their take and to answer your questions. So here are the numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 And first, as promised, here is my interview with Premier Kathleen Wynne. First of all, uh, I'll give you a, a little bit of a chance to crow. As, as we head into the next election, uh, what do you think your most important accomplishment this year is, or the most important thing for the coming year?
2: Well I think that uh you- Everyone's going to see some big changes on January 1st. I'm really, uh, I'm really proud of the plan that we're um, continuing to implement. And the, uh, the next things that are going to happen is that uh, on uh, January 1st, uh, people who are earning minimum wage will see their wages go from $11.60 an hour to $14 an hour. And families um, with kids who have to buy a prescription medication will be able to get that free when they go into, uh, into a pharmacy so kids from birth until the 25th birthday will see, um, will see a free medication. So uh, all of that, Libby, is part of um, what I believe government exists to do, which is to make our society fairer and, uh, and to you know to support people who, um, who uh, are not benefiting from the economic growth that we are seeing in the province. Ontario is doing very well, and I'm very proud of that, but I'm also acutely aware that there are people who are not, sharing in that uh, in that economic prosperity.
1: What will the ballot question be, do you think?
2: You know, I don't know. I, I mean, I think we're, we're still a few months out. I think it's hard to tell. But I would say that the biggest challenge facing Ontario, and I would say beyond Ontario, North America, the Western world, is... What is work going to look like? You know, what are the jobs going to be, and how are we going to be able to continue to to create jobs and draw jobs to our uh, to our jurisdictions? Um, part of that is because we're competing in a global economy, but part of it is also because we're looking at uh, huge changes in technology and advanced manufacturing that mean that there are um, there are uh, people who are uh, displaced from uh, jobs that they may have had for some time. Um, and need to be retrained. So I think that that, that question is uh, is huge. Whether it'll be the ballot question or not, um, we're going to have to wait till closer to the uh, closer to the date to to determine that.
1: Last few weeks have been full of confirmation of the crisis in our hospitals, um, the alarming increase in hallway medicine. Now you've denounced some measures. You know, twelve hundred temporary beds. Uh, some extra funding, mm-hmm. uh, but these are temporary. The funding goes to the end of March, and uh, it's not just an issue for patients, but you have to hire staff for for three months. how How is this going to help the crisis that we're in?
2: Well, I, I mean part of part of what we're dealing with is is seasonal, but part of it is not. And so, I think what we need to do is we need to, as we put those um, those extra beds in place. We need to monitor as we go through the next few months and determine whether whether there is um, more that we need to do, whether there are some of those that need to be uh, permanent. You know, we are building new hospitals. We are new, building new beds uh, around the province in various uh, parts of the province. So there there are medium to longer term solutions that we're putting in place. But, um, but I think we need to monitor, and the Minister of Health and I have talked about this, whether uh, whether these temporary beds are, um, you know, whether we need to look at those as a as a more permanent solution, I just don't think the I just don't think the determination has been made yet, Libby, and we will uh, we'll be watching that very carefully.
1: Part of this problem is uh, what they call alternative level of care. There are people who do not need to be in the hospital anymore, but they have nowhere to go. Um, Again, you have committed 5,000 new long-term care beds in four years, but there are 32,000 people on the waiting list.
2: Yes. And so... um on top of the long term care you 're right because we 've committed to five thousand beds and then we've committed uh, thirty thousand beds over the next ten years but that 's in addition to increases in home care and uh, and other supports and also and also um, other solutions like transitional beds because um i I believe firmly that there's a there's a continuum that we need to be looking at you know it's not just it's not just a l c or uh, or long term care there are steps along the way that we need to be looking at, and so um, there are some transitional solutions that are being put in place, and I think that will that will ease some of the uh, some of the congestion in uh, in hospitals with large ALC populations as well
1: now um, you 're talking about uh, an extra investment in home care, federal government the same, but uh, when I talk to people who actually deliver the home care, their budgets have not increased and when I talk to a lot of people who are actually supposed to receive the home care, not only is it you know their allotted hours not enough, but they don't even actually get what they're supposed to get
2: well one of the things one of the things that we are um, that we're looking at doing is um, letting people manage their own uh, care so in terms of instead of The care coming through the CCAC people actually being able to buy their own, uh, their own care. And I think that, that direct funding model is something that, uh, we need to, we need to look at and we need to see if that would make, would make it easier for people to, uh, manage and have the kind of care that they want. And because I, you know, my mom is 89 and my dad is 91 and I know that these are, you know, these are really challenging uh, challenging situations. And there's not a simple answer here, um, because different families have different needs. And so I think that what we're trying to do is put some choices in place so that, uh, so that people can customize the care that they need, that they, that they want.
1: I'm, I'm very curious about the reorganization, because you added 80 new sublins. Um, so how many people have been hired for this? How much has been spent and, and why is there so much focus on administration rather than frontline care? Well
2: um, the, you'll, you'll have to I'll have to get you to do an interview with the Minister of Health to get chapter and verse in terms of all the, uh, the personnel and so on but I can tell you that the the principle behind what we're doing is to make sure that as care is delivered it is it's got as much local flavor as possible because um, it's not possible from uh, Queen's Park or even from a, a very large uh, organization like the uh, the local Health integration network to make the best decisions for local communities. So that's why we're trying to boil down those uh, those areas and make sure that uh, that the decisions are made locally and. Um and actually, in the long run, I think that there you'll see that there will be there will actually be savings in terms of administration because um, we're as you know we're changing the the whole CCAC structure and and streamlining it uh, in the local communities
1: okay well, we have to see how many people are are being brought in. You mentioned uh, pharmacare as a big um, as as a big accomplishment. Um, A a lot of the experts in the field uh, sort of criticize you for focusing on the young people, many of whom are covered, uh, because it's people in their 50s and 60s who are most at risk of not being able to pay for their medication. Well, I
2: think if you talk to a young parent, though, Libby, with... uh Three or four, or as one of my constituents, five kids. Um, if they all get sick in the winter, or if one of them has a one of them has a chronic illness, um, that's pretty debilitating for a family. And um, of course, I would uh, I would love for us to have a national pharmacare plan you know i think that, the, that there's a real gap in the uh in uh in the medicare system but um we need a federal partner to go there we need uh, we need that uh, that partnership um, my, you know, my contention is that we need to get started, that we need to take this step. It's the, it's the biggest expansion of Medicare in a generation. And uh, and getting kids off to a good start is actually, it's, it's better for them and it's better for uh, our society overall to have kids get what they need early on so that they can grow up healthy.
1: And are you committing to push for National Pharmacare?
2: We've already been doing that. So our Minister of Health has uh, raised it for a couple of years and worked with federal, uh, with the uh, other provincial health ministers, and I raised it at the last, uh, well, I've raised it at the last two meetings of my uh, colleague premiers, and, and we actually, you know, we actually got it into the the agenda to talk about it. So, yes, it is very important to me that we uh, we push this across the country, and, you know, there's, uh, there's a pretty strong consensus among the medical profession that uh, pharmacare, would be uh, would be a great benefit to people in uh, in Canada
1: okay, uh, turning to hydro, um, you always bring up your grandchildren and the next generation when you you explain uh, some of the decisions that you 've made in terms of green energy, but uh, the way that you fulfilled your promise to cut hydro bill is uh, bills are uh, it 's putting huge costs onto the next generation. $4 billion in extra interest costs alone, according to the Auditor General, and even more, $4.5 billion, according to the Financial Accountability Office. Why is that the right way to go?
2: Well, the only reason I talk about my grandchildren, Libby, is that um, they're living with their parents right now, and uh, their parents are having to, having to bear the costs of basically um government after government neglecting the electricity system and that's a nonpartisan comment because all of all parties have uh, been complicit in that and we've had to build the system up you know it was uh, there were brownouts and blackouts in 2003 under my predecessor and so it's really not fair for this generation so you know the people who are bringing up kids today uh, to be struggling with electricity prices nor is it fair for seniors to be uh, struggling with electric electricity prices um, when there 's an asset that 's been built that 's going to last for uh, for a generation or more so all we're doing is spreading the cost out over uh, over that 30-year period, and you know, yes, I and I was quite upfront that there's a cost associated with that, and in the same way that there's a cost associated with a mortgage, and the only reason I bring up my grandkids is that I can explain to them that uh, for Mummy and Daddy to be able to do the things that they want to do with you today, you're going to need to pay a little bit uh, later.
1: What do you say to people who say simply that it's time for a change in the next election?
2: Well, I say to them, you know, they uh, they will make that decision when it comes time for the election. Um, but I also will say to them that they're they're seeing change. I mean, we have been we've been changing uh, policies and investments and the way the way Ontario. Works for um, for a number of years. I've only been the premier since 2013, um, but as I said, there's going to be big change even as uh, soon as this January. When I came into office, I uh, I ran on um, retirement security and worked with um, you know seniors' advocates even who were arguing that the Canada Pension Plan needed to be enhanced. So there's been change. Every year of our uh, of our mandate, we've been a very active government, and that change will continue right up to the election, and then people will uh, make their decision.
1: Last year, a lot of people were counting you out. Um, your popularity hit a low at 12%. You're up to 20 Toronto Star is declaring your political resurrection. Uh, how do you feel about where you're at?
2: Well... I've always said that the polls come and go, Libby. So I don't live or die by polls. Um, I live or die by the work that we're doing, you know, and um, building a fair province. I got into politics because I believe that government exists to do the things that... We can't do by ourselves and, and essentially that is about leveling the playing field because people, people come in, um, and live with different advantages. And I think government's role is to level the playing field to the greatest degree possible. So that's what better retirement security is about. That's what free tuition for, uh, low income students is about. And that's what, free prescription medication is about. So we're going to continue to do that work. The polls will be what they will be. And, um, you know, really, the only poll that counts is the one on
1: Election Day. Okay, thank you so much. And uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks. I hope everyone has a great holiday. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so how did she do? Uh, Is it enough for her to get your vote again? The number's to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now, let us go first to Bob Richardson. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you, Libby? Fine, how are you? I am good, thank you. And how did Kathleen do in that?
3: Look, she always does well. She's Look, whether you like her or dislike her, this is a person who is smart, she's hardworking, uh, you know, there's a number of positives that she can uh, look at from uh, from her government's perspective, whether it's economic growth, um, whether it's uh, jobs, you know, take a place like Brantford in Ontario, it's got the lowest unemployment it's probably had in a generation. Uh, you know, they're doing the right things on infrastructure, a variety of things. That being said, she's also got a number of things that, you know, are tougher. The Liberals have been in for 15 years. There is a sense that perhaps there should be some renewal. She's got a She's got to fight that and figure out how to do that. There's also a sense from some people that there's been too much too fast uh, when it comes to the economy, whether it's minimum wage or labour changes or a variety of other things. So, you know, she's got a clear record and people are going to have an opportunity to vote on her in, I guess, five months or so. But uh, she's got a number of things that she can point to that she's that, that she's done well. And she's got a few uh, landmines and pitfalls she's going to have to watch out for, too, as well.
1: Um. She said she didn't know what the ballot question would be. There are a lot of people who think the ballot question will be, can you trust the Liberal government? I mean, there really have been a, a lot of money wasted uh, on a, a few files. You know, I think the
3: ballot question will likely be when you've been in office. And I'm, uh, I'm not a soothsayer, but if you take a look back on long uh, periods of government, usually the ballot question is uh, the performance of the existing government. Do you think they've done a good job? or you think you've done a bad job when, when, a, when a party's been in for 10 or 15 years. And obviously the Ontario Liberals uh, uh, fit that uh, description. So they're going to have to run really hard and remind people of a number of things that they've done well uh, and see if that's enough to have people say, geez, I don't want to take a chance on the other guys. Or if they don't run well, you know, we'll likely see uh, you know a fairly major swing and, and a new government at Queen's Park.
1: Okay. And um, who do you think uh, the bigger threat is at this point? Uh, There's Andrea Horvath. She is currently the most popular and most trusted leader. And a lot of the popular liberal policies actually come from her. And there's Patrick Brown, uh, progressive conservative. He's released a platform that's pretty red Tory, by the way I read it. Uh, What do you think? Well, you know,
3: obviously Patrick Brown at the moment, I, I think is the uh, is the is the biggest threat. Although he's a little unproven, you know, he had a pretty light job in Ottawa as a backbencher for nine years. I will say, I think he's done a good job as leader of the opposition. I'm a former chief of staff to a leader of the opposition, so I know how crappy the job is, uh, <laughs> and I think I think he's done a relatively good job raising money, keeping his caucus together, attracting good candidates. Broadening the base of the party, doing all the things that you need to do, you know, in order to be competitive. Uh, if you are, you know, if you're going to be competitive in the next election, uh, Andrea Horvath is likable. She's experienced. She's going to swing for the fences a bit this time. This is her last kick at the can. She's had a number of elections she's been through, and unless there's significant approval, her her party will be looking for somebody new as leader. So I wouldn't write her off either. But at this point, Patrick Brown seems to be have a little bit of momentum from an opposition perspective, really attracted some good candidates, raised money, traveling the province, doing the type of things you need to do if you're going to win the election.
1: Okay, Bob, uh, I know your time is limited. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Libby. Okay, and uh, we're going to uh, take a couple of calls and we're also uh, bringing in Patrick Gossage. Hi, Patrick. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Great. Okay. Interesting interesting and
4: good interview, Libby. That was a good interview.
1: Oh, well, thanks. Uh, So we know I did okay, but uh, let's hear from a couple of our callers. Uh, Doug in Toronto. Hi, Doug.
5: Hello. I think uh, she really did a very good job, as did you. I've met Patrick Brown three times now, and the guy's never able to look me in the eye. always kind of looks over my shoulder like he's expecting somebody more important to come along and uh, his promises he flips around pretty good. And I, when he, when he had his last convention and he put that big blank check sort of thing up on the wall and signed it and promised to resign if it doesn't work, that's, that's hokey uh, tacky. And I don't believe it. And the more I listen to win, the more I believe she doesn't sound just like another politician. She really does sound like she cares. And uh, you wonder about trust and about botching various departments. The bureaucracy that exists in all levels of government, whether it's municipal, provincial, or federal, there's always bureaucrats who bungle things and, of course, We go after the party that's in power. But looking at Ontario right now, we've got great employment. We've got good economy. Our business is working. Our health care is as good as any country I've ever visited. So I would say she sounds like
1: she's coming back. Okay, thanks for that, Doug. Uh, Patrick, um, do you think that she is on the road back?
4: Well, I mean... I think she's. I think she's got what it takes, and I think she's got the right approach to uh, appeal to urban voters, particularly. You know, which she needs badly. Um, I mean, I think her focus, and you you pointed it out, on young people is not misplaced. I mean, young people are voting again, thank God. And um, not and, as know, much um, as
1: older people vote, not yeah, by I a long shot. Do. I
4: know. Well, you caught her out on that too, but. Um, I, You know, I, I'm feeling quite good about her. I, the only thing I'd say is that, and she's been doing these town halls, which have been apparently quite... Uh, you know, confrontational, but she survived them. And I've, I've got a lot of time for people that stand up in front of a unselected crowd and just defend themselves when, you know, a lot of people don't like her. And she found that out in these town halls and good for her, you know, I mean, that's quite something. So, you know, I've got a lot of time for her and I, I like Bob's comments. Uh you know, she's going to run on our record, and she's got lots to talk about. Uh, Patrick Brown, I don't see as a huge um, challenge, although his platform, hes he can run on that endlessly. And, you know, the blank check, I agree with your caller, is a bit hokey, but the platform itself is full of quite interesting things if he can keep all those promises, and I'm not sure that he can keep even a half of them. So, you know, I think she's she's. She's on a bit of a comeback trail, I would say.
1: Okay, Patrick, hang on. Let's uh, take a couple of calls. Deborah in Georgetown. Hi, Deborah. Hi, how are you today, Libby? Fine, how are you? Pretty good. Uh, first, disappointed she couldn't be there in person. Okay, uh, we were disappointed too, yeah. but hey, maybe another time. Yep. Um, I'm just disappointed that after
6: 14 years, she she keeps going back to the previous government. You have to give that up after a while. It's it's not washing, um, my brothers—they all do that. Yeah. My, my. Oh, I know, and I wish any party stopped that. But after 14 years, it's a little long. Um, my brother's a nurse; can't get a full-time job. Hospitals are worse. Hospital. Everything was delisted. Eye care, et cetera. I don't see how our medical is better. We used to get eye care. Now we have to pay for it if you're over a certain age. Um, we're going into debt, massive debt. Like you said, her grandchildren and her grandchildren's grandchildren will be paying for what she's done. And I can't believe the well, rates are actually going up let, let me
1: just uh, let me just clarify one of those things is that uh, one of the biggest issue that the Auditor General had is that uh, they don't want to add that those extra costs to the deficit yeah. so uh, they want to hide the costs or they want to put it elsewhere it's it's an accounting question yeah. but but, well, but uh, yeah is, Libby, we're not stupid out here we really aren't <laughs> you don't have to tell me
6: that <laughs> and that's, uh, that's all I want to that uh, those of us we're tired of her I don't care if Kermit the Frog gets in right now
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay uh, Deborah, I think uh, we have some better choices <laughs> than <That> was- Kermit <laughs> thanks for that Libby for doing your show thank you Merry Christmas uh- Pie. so uh Patrick uh, do you think that ultimately the ballot question will be do you trust the liberals and and is it time for a change?
4: Yeah, I think so. I mean, um trust is trust is uh, very very hard to build and easy to disperse, you know, easy to lose. And uh whether she's lost it entirely, I don't I I really don't know. I I think she's lost some, that's for sure. And um it's going to be really a uphill battle for her to continue to rebuild trust in just in terms of what she's doing. I mean, it's a very activist government. It's very progressive uh, and progressive. The progressive government in Ottawa seems to be holding on to its uh, lead pretty well. I mean, it's real liberalism. So it it really is a, a, you know, a contest to see if you can reposition liberalism as something that's really attractive through her. And uh, I think she's going to work hard at it, and we'll see what happens on ballot day, you know?
1: Okay, let's hear from Joyce in Scarborough. Hello,
6: Joyce. Hi. Um, I just want to say, um, after McGinty, and then uh, what she has done, like I'm a senior, and uh, the services uh, for seniors, health-wise, have been cut, like physio, Uh, Like, they were cut, and I needed that, and I've had to pay for it myself, myself. I support uh, a 40-year-old because she can't get a job. And if you go out into the workplace, all these kinds of um, conferences and stuff, there's no jobs for the uh, 25 up to forties. There's no jobs. So uh, guess what? I'm never voting liberal again in my lifetime uh, I hear you um, I hear you thanks for for sharing that um, yeah, with I, us I just think uh, what McGinty put us through and all the falsehoods that um, you know the gas thing that was never looked at investigated because she got a majority and like uh well uh I I'm, I'm I'm a quandary who to vote for later next year, but you know uh, it is they the liberals to to my, in my opinion have put Ontario into such a, a bad situation uh, and the promises <laughs> like like the lady said we're, like well I was shocked absolutely shocked when she won a majority I thought minority. And I thought, can can the Ontarians be that stupid? Well, well, okay.
1: she's a comeback queen, uh, Joyce. Thanks, thanks so much okay, for your call. Thank you. Bye, bye. Um, so, Patrick, I guess uh, people who don't like her don't like her a lot.
4: Yeah, no, that's true. And whether the, I don't think you know that lady. I mean, I sympathize with her, and Absolutely. I, you know, I mean, she's not going to change. That's for sure. Um, and you know, the the whole issue of how people my age and i'm fairly old and you know that all my friends are being looked after is a huge issue as is as is as is employment for youth i mean i think we sometimes expect government to do everything and quickly and you know it's very hard it's like moving a huge stone up a hill but um i if 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 uh, the legacy is that bad i mean people like your caller aren't going to change that's for sure and aren't going to be aren't going to be persuaded by all the good things she's done uh and you know whether the whether they can, uh, whether she can fix the home care thing, and she kind of promised she would, didn't she? Uh, that would be an amazing thing if she could actually allow people to get money that they could spend themselves on their own home care. That would be a huge revolution.
6: Well, I'll, it, I'll
4: really wait for that one, Libby. Good for you getting it out of her.
1: Well, th- they talked about that, but, uh, I, you know, again, Patrick, I don't know what's going on with home care because people call in and th- they tell me I'm supposed to get four hours, uh, uh, somebody came, you know, a day late and gave me two hours.
4: Oh, I know so, the system. I mean, that system is a mess. That's for sure. And I think the idea of just giving people money and letting them spend it the way they want is a brilliant idea. And we'll see in the budget if that's part of it. If it is, that might even answer some of the questions that your caller had.
1: But again, how, mu- how much money when you're paying it for yourself? And I can tell you, I have, and it was ten well, years I ago. Have too. Yeah. It, it's it's on the order. It was ten years ago. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Uh Patrick, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh ten years ago it it was um twenty five bucks an hour. So yeah, yeah. um I don't know how much the government can give people, but it it's not gonna add up to very much, I wouldn't think.
4: Well we'll see. I mean I think that's a I mean and you know, the other the other thing is the pharmacare which which hits old people that don't have uh don't have uh you know any ongoing uh medical plan. It
1: it doesn't uh, it doesn't hit hit old people but it hits No, I know. People, but I mean she's really pushing people. the
4: federal government and you know I wouldn't be surprised if we see a pharmacare in the before you know before the next election. Uh, it's a it's something that has to be done in my view.
1: I I, I mean, absolutely agree with that but I again um the way she's chosen to start is Contrary it's a bit to
4: odd it 's a bit odd to be honest with you i, it, I agree with you
1: yeah it 's contrary to what all the experts say should be done you um, know,
4: i, I can 't believe the number of pills my wife takes, and you know luckily we have a, you know, we have a medical plan, so if we didn 't have it I'd, i mean it would break us you know.
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's very difficult. Um, before we move along, Patrick, so uh, what conclusion do you draw from this about the, the chances of liberal reelection?
4: Well, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, Still a bit optimistic as a liberal that she can pull it off. I mean, the debate is going to be horrific, I think. Uh, You know, and she's a great debater and she's a great campaigner, and campaigns count, as you well know, and uh, also candidates count more than ever. And um, if she has the right candidates and if she can pull it off in the debate, I, I'm not sure how. I think she'll do very well in the debate, and that's often when people say, you know what, this woman's okay, she's got my interest at heart, She's the other, the other people are faltering and don't know what they're talking about. And, uh, you know, campaigns are really, really important, and she's already started, you know traveling around, doing these town halls and so on. Now, whether people get used to her and whether they'll start to like her again, that's that's a psychological thing that I can't predict. But uh, certainly the woman that just called isn't going to change her mind. So good luck, Kathleen.
1: <laughs> okay. Thanks for that, uh, Patrick Gossage, former press secretary to the first Prime Minister, Trudeau. And uh, if we don't talk before then, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah,
4: to you too, Libby. Thanks so much.
1: Okay. Um, bye bye and um, we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to discuss a very disturbing story and that is uh, hate mail at a number of synagogues across the country what is going on uh, we'll be back with that before we go the numbers: to call 416-360-0740 toll free one 866 740 740 and we'll be right back